Hello, and welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. This is episode 13, original air date, February 4, 2016. My name's Megan. I am the youngest of the siblings, as well as your host. And with us tonight is my brother, Kier. Hello. My sister, Sarah. Hello. And our dad, not-so-robot dad. Yeah. He's actually coming in pretty clear right now. We'll see how long that lasts. But anyway... If this is your first time listening to this podcast, we're going to break it up into three segments. We'll start off with what's caused us to geek out lately, then we'll go into our topic of the week and wrap things up with our picks of the week. So starting us off, Kier, what's caused you to geek out lately? Well, I've been doing a lot of things with miniatures as of late. Uh, Over the last uh, four months or so, I've been running a War Machine League, and uh, I have been really geeking out about league play because since uh, the new gaming store opened up there's been two other leagues that have opened up in the area and uh, we've now got a 40k escalation league as well as a Malifaux uh, league starting up and uh, what's really cool about this is both of those guys have come to me and asked for advice and templates and whatever they can get from me so that they can build their own leagues. And uh, it's been a lot of fun going to going back and forth with them and uh, trading info and ideas. I know very cool, little man. about it. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, basically, you could set up a league for any game. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could be, uh, you know, board game, video game, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But all you have to do is just basically have some uh, league rules. Uh, on how you earn your uh, points for the league and uh, have some sort of uh, prize for the overall winner of the league or maybe some badges you can earn during the league for accomplishing certain things. So this could be done with video games, board games, uh, uh, you know, chess, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Chess leagues and chess competitions are old school. That's been mm-hmm. going on all the way up to the professional level for generations. Yeah, I think um, with the um, league that Kier's, Kier's running, I'm about to drop out of it and give my badge to our nephew, Conley. Um, I think he's very interested in playing, and even if he only gets a couple <laughs> of months' worth of games in, I think he'll have yeah. a good time with it. And um, I've been using that time to play some board games that I don't normally get to play at home because... It's not a good number with three or whatever. So that's been fun for me. So it'll, it'll be fun to watch him grow his army. Yep, and that's one thing I would recommend if you are going to start something with league play is uh, understand that you're going to have a few people drop out and you'll have a few people who want to come in late and you need to try your best to accommodate uh, both of those groups of people. Yeah, that's what I've been geeking out. All right. Short and sweet. I like it. Uh, Sarah, I'll, I'll have you go next. So I know that I've been talking a lot about how I live far away and I don't do as many of events as Kier does and <laughs> how sad that makes me sometimes because I don't have as much gaming in my life as I would like to. And um, this week, I think I've got five gaming-related events that I'm basically going to or hosting or whatever and that's making me pretty happy um tomorrow night i am 
I've set up. I I talked about Tabletopia in an episode previously, and I went ahead and did the subscription. Um, and I've set up in um, our our gaming group a game for tomorrow night. We're just going to meet online and play a game that way, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do Tabletopia is because it lets me play games with with people outside of my household on maybe a little bit more regular basis. And then Thursday night, we're all driving down to Megan's house and we're playing um, Time Stories and Pandemic Legacy. And I'm super excited about that. They're invading my space. I am. (laughs) It'll be fun. (laughs) And then (laughs) Saturday, I've got two different things I'm doing. I'm doing the board games like I talked about during the day. And then that evening, I am going to run a game of DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics, for whoever's interested. And then Sunday, we're going to do just a paint day where people can drop in and get together with other people and paint miniatures for whatever games they have miniatures to paint. So I'm I'm pretty excited about having five events in one week because that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, when you play at Megan's house, there ought to be plenty of space with all the stuff she got rid of. <laughs> she, she, she told me she had a table, and I informed her that's really all we needed. So maybe some chairs. I do, I do have a table and four chairs, so it's the <laughs> perfect, the perfect amount. Yay. Um, you could play bridge. Yeah. <laughs> or Pandemic Legacy and Time Stories. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I'll have uh, another one of those game nights at my house uh, Friday night that I've been building. Um, and I'm going to strongly encourage everybody who comes out to my house Friday night to also come out to the game days on Saturday. So hopefully some of them will show up. I really want a couple of them to play DCC. Oh, that would be fun. I don't know. I've got, it's, it's kind of a weird thing going on because on the Facebook event I set up for it, mm-hmm. I think I'm showing two people coming other than myself. And I know Liz is interested in playing. So, you know, that's that's kind of the low end of what I'd want to play with. And I'm actually comfortable with, with a few more than that. But I'm showing 20 some people interested. And I don't know what that's going to do. So you're saying you're going to have between four and 24 people. (laughs) Something like that. I don't really expect, I don't really expect 24 people to show up, but man, if they did, I would be in some major trouble. (laughs) Especially considering, you know, every person's playing like three characters, right? (laughs) Well, they'd be playing two if there's 20 people. (laughs) That way it'd only be a party of 50. It'd be fine. (laughs) Perfectly manageable. Uh, I'm really hoping that I get somewhere between like six and eight. That's my, that's my number I like to run with this game the most. So we'll see. Especially in a funnel. I don't know about beyond that because as we've discussed, I've never moved beyond that. And it's getting harder because I have to keep trying to find funnels that Liz hasn't gone through yet. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's becoming more and more difficult every time I run the game. So what are you planning on painting at the miniature paint day? I think I'm going to bring some mouselings. Awesome. That's my plan. Um, either mouselings or um, I might bring some Imperial Assault stuff. Cool. Especially if I can get my hand on R2-D2 and Chewbacca. Who are your favorites? Chewbacca, I mean C-3PO. We have Chewbacca. Oh. <laughs> R2-D2 and C-3PO come in a pack, and Chewbacca comes in a pack, and we've got Chewbacca. 
Oh man, <laughs> those are that's because I think I said that because my two favorites are R two D two and Chewbacca. We just so, um, you just <laughs> lost some major nerd cred right there. <laughs> you're on the related to geeks podcast, and you're making that kind of mistake. <laughs> oh goodness me! No, I don't. I know that they come in different packs, but but we already own Chewbacca. So if I get R two D two and C three PO, then I can paint R two D two and Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> And there you have it. <laughs> but I really like the mouse things, too. Those, they're super cute, and I think they're going to be a lot of fun to paint. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying those out and, and seeing how I do with... So far, I've painted two lions. That's been my entire miniature painting experience, and I had fun with that. So I'm, I'm excited to, to sit down with some paint and brushes and see what I can I can do. Kier painted some miniature people at Wendy's birthday party. Yeah, <laughs> like little uh, little little kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we I uh, I invited the kids to do face painting, and they thought that was a brilliant idea. Except they thought they were going to get to paint my face. Oh. So, long story short, five six year old kids painted my face. <laughs> that's, that's fun. He's never looked more beautiful. I was adorable. I'm so sad I missed it. Um, and I think I think Devin and Liz are going to bring, obviously, their armies for hordes to paint. Sweet. Or at least, you know, part of them. Probably not the whole thing. If I can, I will at least stop it a bit for that day. Cool. Me too. I've definitely got interest, so I'm excited to, to see who shows up and 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 maybe maybe I can learn something from somebody. I, I put it as a very casual event that you know I don't know what I'm doing, but come come paint. Maybe we can learn together. <laughs> I like it. It's it's Long in story the church. yeah. It's in the perfect yeah. window of time for me. Be, be, you know, between morning church and afternoon church, so I might be able to swing by and paint at least one miniature. I don't know yet, but um, Dad. Other than me, you're all I've that's been. left. <laughs> I've been geeking out on uh, musical instrument repair. Um, I'm taking uh, musical instrument repair as a course at ASU, and uh, Dr. Ross started working on my trumpet, and uh, um, there's one uh, tuning slide that's still stuck, and uh, Megan... Nearly broke uh, no, my it hand. Can, it can be, can be painful, <laughs> and... Um, We've, I've barely got it a little bit further out than Megan was able to get it out, but all we're getting is a hairline crack. We're not really moving it. Um, and I keep putting penetrating oil in it. That's what everybody says to do is use penetrating oil. So I keep working on that. But we did get one uh, tuning slide unstuck, and I took it by the uh, trumpet instructor, and he was uh, very excited about it and wrote down the serial number and the maker and everything and said it probably goes back to the 20s or 30s. And Vivian did some research and there is a review of horns made by that company in 1919. So we don't really have it as far as what year, but it could be as early as the 20s, which would be really cool to have a trumpet that was made in the 20s. And I also uh, fixed the case, glued the upholstery back onto the case and and clamped and glued the wood. It's a wood case with dovetail and everything. 
And Dr. Ross said, well, just glue back what you got and then find something that looks nice, you know, and and uh, glue it over the wood. I said, no, I'm just going to leave the wood show so they can see the dovetail and all that. So it's uh, it's still going to be pretty rough and ready, and there's a lot of tarnish on the horn, too. But, uh, oh, yeah, um, the trumpet instructor said there's, there's a little dent that Dr. Ross has been worried about might be leaking, and the trumpet instructor thinks it's causing that first valve stuff to play a little flat so we're going to try to work that out and uh but it's pretty cool and and i get to learn all kinds of repair of all kinds of instruments and we're going to do soldering with a torch you know i'll solder on my own trumpet i have one brace that's broke i mean unsoldered it's not broke just needs resoldered. uh i was just going to ask uh you said this is your trumpet that you're working on uh uh, but it's a class for instrument repair, so does it like is everyone providing their own instrument, or how does that work? No, if uh, um, the either you can use your own instrument or you can use the school instrument. I got you. The school has you know a lot of instruments, and some of them need repaired, and some of them are just old and not being used often. See, so before every semester of this particular course they take all the instruments and they go up on the roof and they throw them off on the roof so they have <laughs> material for the class um truth of the matter is is in a program like asu there are always instruments in need of repair well oh, yeah. Yeah, they're in rooms full of college students so yeah <laughs> yeah it does it does help that uh i get to bring in my own it it uh it focuses my interest and it it gives dr ross something different to look at you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and uh um i bought this horn when i was 10 years old <laughs> in wow. 1957 in 1957 so i've had it a while <laughs> and it was used then and broke then you know all the dents that are in it were in it i didn't really I've straightened out some stuff, but I haven't really dented it up. I was always careful with it. But uh, um, evidently not just used then, but used and already old. Yeah, just think that whenever whenever you got it, it could have already been 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably, but pr probably 20 or 30 years old in that range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping it's in the 20s, but it doesn't matter, 20s or 30s. That's that's the best guess everybody has now is between 20s and 40s. And, and you know, since I bought it in 57 and it was old and used, probably wasn't made in the 40s. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Unless somebody threw it off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for like an education program. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Well... We, I, I was an art student at the University of Illinois at Chicago Circle, and we had art projects to do. And after we finished the art project and showed them, we were in a big old warehouse. Then we would take them up on the roof and throw them off. That was huh. part of our art, throwing <laughs> the art project off the roof. It's deep. That's <laughs> deep. <laughs> Zor. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> oh man <laughs> guess that's one way to let it all go huh well I I mean I understand that as like a student because at the end of every semester I definitely had a ritual where I just threw away everything from that semester 
and it was just like a wonderful like experience it was just a deep cleanse of all of the paper that I had held on to the entire semester <laughs> well sad thing is, is I probably still have papers from when I was in college I was gonna say I saved like every last bit of that stuff I got all and of it probably yeah I'm not a minimalist. I'm a maximalist. But <laughs> maximalist. <laughs> at the math department, you know, they send textbooks around hoping you're going to buy their textbooks. And so Dr. Rosa picked one of those up. He opened it up and he says, I'll show you what I think of this. And he threw it out the window, <laughs> the second story window. Fortunately, I hit a bush and not a student. <laughs> <laughs> It's the next best thing to throwing something off the roof is just throw it out of a window, I guess. Yeah. So. Anyway, I'm not going to yeah. throw my instrument off the roof. Yeah. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. good. <laughs> I don't suggest it. I don't suggest really throwing much of anything off the roof. Seems not like a good idea. Alright. Well, Megan, what have you been geeking out about lately? Okay. I have been, like, geek ADD. Um, and so I get really enthusiastic about something for about two days, and then I get really enthusiastic about something else. Um, but minimalism has already been mentioned a couple of times, and last episode I talked about doing the 40-day challenge, where I got rid of one thing on the first day and two things on the second day and so forth, and ended up, uh, snowing here, and had some time just kind of in the house, stuck in the house, and I kind of condensed that 40-day challenge into four days, and just got rid of about... I don't know, 600 items probably in the course of a couple of days. So, um, went through a bunch of craft stuff and, and ended up taking a lot of that to mom's because she gets very upset if I ever get rid of any craft stuff. Um, I was just going to say it's because she's a maximalist. <laughs> she's a maximalist. But anyway, once I was done with that, I, I felt very motivated to like do something creative, but that didn't take craft stuff obviously because I just got rid of all of it um, <laughs> so I started outlining a book that uh, I have been contemplating writing probably since my early teens it's just kind of always been in the back of my mind and I made some major breakthroughs and have it completely outlined and where I can actually sit down and write it don't on earth ask me what it's about because I'm I'm way too in the thick of it right now to give you any information that isn't a major spoiler um, but maybe I'll actually make a push and write a book, because that would be cool. Uh, never done that by myself. I've done some assignments because of school, because my parents, uh, homeschooled me, and they got to create fun assignments like that all the time, where they're like, I don't have an assignment for you, go write a book. Um, and so, did that with Carl at one point, where we wrote a book together. And I think it's still floating around somewhere. It's about vampires, of course. Uh, and then I, I guess the game night stuff on, on Friday, we uh, skipped a week. And from the first week we did it to the, to the second time we did it, uh, it doubled in size. We went from four people to eight people. So hopefully that doesn't happen again because I won't have space for them. But uh, Every week every week for a year, double in size. Double in size. <laughs> Pretty soon, the entire population of Arkansas will be coming to my house for game night. 
Uh, that's a hell of a game night. I don't have that many games. But it was pretty awesome. We had, at, at any given time, we had at least one board game and one video game going, and everybody participated, and uh, nobody was really kind of like the loner in the corner, which I was worried about for a while, but we all enjoyed ourselves and, and hung out and played games all night, which is pretty awesome, especially now that I've gotten rid of so much stuff, I have room for everybody. But yeah, I just... Oh been all over the place I can't I can't focus so, in on anything <laughs> at the risk of it being a spoiler does anyone or anything get thrown off a roof in your book uh yes <laughs> 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 absolutely that's like a key plot point actually spoilers but I just realized that <laughs> at, some point, at some point at some point a roof comes into play and something or someone it does not remain on the roof. <laughs> That's well, your one I'm, teaser. <laughs> I'm reading this book. <laughs> I don't. I don't like to write novels because it's too much work. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so I just. I just write my super shorts and I start them, and a half hour later they're done. And so far, no roofs, but. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. It's got to come into play at some point, right? Right. It could be a major theme in a super short, throwing things off of a roof. For speaking art. Of, oh, say, speaking of, of um, evil parents and homework and, and writing assignments and stuff, I had to remind Liz today that, that um, dad assigned her. Mm -hmm. A piece of <laughs> fiction, a super short, mm -hmm. a super uh, short. story. <laughs> so and I told her she has till the end of the week. How come, how come I didn't get a super super short story? I had to write books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if we assigned you to write a super short, then ten minutes later we'd have to give you another assignment. <laughs> <laughs> you quickly learn to never be bored in in our household growing up. Have you ever mentioned that you were bored? You got an assignment. <laughs> That's funny. Those are words that Liz just doesn't utter. She always finds something to fill her time. Yeah. If, if, uh, well, gaming or creating something. We or, are we are a family of a billion hobbies, so yeah, it doesn't, and doesn't take much. It translated right down to our daughter for sure because <laughs> she. <laughs> she she adopted everyone that I had plus some, I think. All right. That's everybody, right? Yep. Yep, yep, right. yep. Cool. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with our topic of the week. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, the podcast about a geeky family. Find more episodes at our website, Related to Geeks.com. Now here's our topic of the week, video game immersion. Alright everybody, welcome back. Our topic of the week is video game immersion. So we're kind of going to go a couple different directions with this and I'm going to start off some conversational points that I was thinking about when I chose this topic because I, I am the one that chose the topic. Um, 
But I feel like video games are definitely a unique medium because it allows the the player to experience the story being told and the atmosphere in a way that movies and, and books just don't quite have. Um, it really appeals to all of the senses. And I find that more and more I am being drawn to the really focused short games that really try to find an emotional response, whether that's something like Amnesia that's all about making you scared or something that's more somber and, and profound like Papers, Please or, or Thomas Was Alone. And I'm just throwing out some names here. I'm not sure how much any of you know about these particular games that I'm mentioning. But I find that more and more as I'm exploring video games, that's what I'm drawn to. Not necessarily just the the first-person shooter headshots or the aggravating puzzle games that you can't put down. But just the really um, atmospheric games that really have, like, have an emotional uh, like response to, to them whenever I play them. So... We have varying degrees of gamers on this podcast. I, I would probably be the most uh, drawn to video games out of this set, but I think everybody here has some experience with video games, so I'm going to open it up to everybody here and just kind of talk about what what about video games you're drawn to and what gets you immersed in a video game. So open it up. Well, you already touched on one of the games that I played actually fairly recently, which was Amnesia the Dark Descent, and I played it for the first time last year, I think. And I want to tell you, I beat that game 15 minutes at a time. (laughs) Because that was all I could take. (laughs) I was like, well, done for tonight. (laughs) It is um, definitely one of the, the, the leaders in why scary games are so popular right now. It's that one really pave the way for all of these scary games that are being released like every day now. I mean crazy amounts. I would say for me I can get very immersed in a lot of games which a lot of people wouldn't normally be able to get that immersed in. Like uh, growing up one of the most immersive games for me was just the little like text roguelike, angband, you know, net hack type games. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would create the character, go down into the dungeon and fight monsters. And, you know, on the screen, I'm a little at sign. I'm just taking the over arrow into an A over and over again. But, like, in my head at the time, I was imagining my character having this epic battle with a giant ant or a battalion of orcs. And I'd drawn pictures of my character and upgraded the armor and wanted to redraw pictures of my character in the new armor and uh, it's probably the least immersive game you could imagine but I got sucked into it so hard when I was in you know my early teens I played that I played the heck out of hack mm-hmm. um, mom was pretty um, immersed into the whole hack scene and I think she she probably played it before I did. Um, yep. But and she's probably the one that got you playing it too because she was probably still Absolutely. playing it. So. Um, but but she was also the one to comment that you know, uh, to her it was you know just leveling up the character and going deeper to the dungeon and all that. And she never got 
quite as immersed into it as, you know, I did as far as actually making up stories for my character and things like that. But I don't, you know, that that might be uh, significantly less to do with the game and significantly more to do with my imagination when I was 13 years old. Very possible. I always just saw myself as an ant son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... One of the that's, one of the major that's the saddest goals thing I've ever heard, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> one of the major goals in um, uh, virtual reality is virtual reality gaming, meaning immersive, and they call it immersive in a kind of a different sense, in that it's sensorily immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even with virtual reality gamings. If the game's not immersive, you're not going to get immersed. And if the game's immersive and it's text, you can get immersed, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and this isn't uh, uh, a new phenomenon with gaming or video gaming because there's pictures. Um, uh, probably the most immersive art form that there is is the novel or the play. You know, uh, mm-hmm. written word or or people reading written words, um, the the power and the immersion there is entirely in the imagination and you picturing what's being described. Um, and um, if if the game doesn't doesn't present a real scenario to you that you can immerse yourself into, it doesn't matter whether it has great artwork or whether you got 3D surround or whether you're at a movie with surround sound. I mean, you can go to a movie and it can be in black and white and you can get completely immersed in the story. You know? Mm-hmm. So I really think I, I really think the story's the thing in immersion. Just like in all art, the story's the thing. Yeah. People are about stories. Well, and I actually... I wrote down a few different games um, as I was just kind of thinking about games recently that appealed to me on an immersion level and most of them story is the most prominent but another thing is that they're mostly indie games um, that don't have a lot of bells and whistles and really have to focus on something very specific to grab you know the players attention Um, And I think one of the best ones that I can come up with is Thomas Was Alone, which is literally a game where you play blocks that jump around on platforms. And it's the simplest game design that's been around forever, but the entire time there's just this beautiful narration that's going on that really keeps you engrossed in the story. And it's a lot like what Dad was just talking about with like the reading of the written word. But adding that just slight puzzle game element on top of it keeps the player so focused on what the narrator's saying. Because if you made those puzzles too hard, then it would be frustrating. And they'd stop paying attention to the narrator and get frustrated with the game. But it's like a subtle balance of just enough to keep them engrossed in the game, but not so much to get them frustrated. And it's a really well-balanced game in that way. Yeah, I think that's true in in all storytelling and in music. In 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 me, you know, I'm a composition major, everyone. So, anyway, in music, as a composer, if 
it's all vanilla, then it's boring. Mm -hmm. But if everything is new and surprising all the time, then it's inaccessible. So you have to find that, you know, where it remains interesting, um, but is still familiar. Yeah. If you're if you're uh, trying to create an immersive exper experience, and everything is new, well, how can you get immersed in it? Because it's, there's nothing to relate to. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if it's just, you know, an MTV. Um, or they don't even do it anymore, but just a music video with someone walking down the sidewalk lip-syncing, that's not too immersive either. That's kind of too predictable and boring. So mm -hmm. there's a there's a line to be found for someone trying to create immersive experiences um, between too much new and different and nothing new and different. You know, somewhere in there it's got to be the right balance. I think the last game that really sucked me in as far as just eating up all of my free time was probably Minecraft. And I'm noticing a trend here now that I'm talking, which is uh, I tend to get immersed in games where I can uh, create things for myself. And uh, with, with Minecraft... Uh, that was a big part of it for me is I loved building different things and uh, just coming up with my own goals for the game. Yeah, and there's an example of a very immersive game that's not really immersive because of its story. Um, yeah. Gradually, there's been more and more story elements added to it, but that the foundation of the game is Legos, really, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Incredibly and, and, atmospheric game for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because, uh, I mean, I've been playing with my daughter recently and uh, it gets to be nighttime and, and she gets into a panic and she has to get back inside where it's safe. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, so, uh, you know, I love that aspect of the game. And uh, I love the fact. That while you know they did kind of put an end game into it now, uh, for the most part, a lot of players, myself included, just ignore that part and just go about happily creating our own game out of it. Well, and I think that's probably where the story is—is is in the building for you, at least. Mm -hmm. Just like somebody can get immersed in Lego. I mean, if you ever watch people building with Lego, they're completely 100% focused a lot of the times mm -hmm. on those bricks and and the stories that they're telling by playing with them. And that's probably where you're getting your immersion at. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, I like finding a uh, village in the game and then building around it and making the village bigger and better and keeping all the villagers safe from the monsters. And uh, that's, that's been one of my big fun moments with the game so another game I want to mention I'm not sure if you've played this key or you, you're probably the only one that I would think on this podcast mm -hmm. that would have played it but another game I want to mention that I, I find very immersive but not particularly a rich story uh, is Antichamber are you familiar with this no. at all nope 
Antichamber. Antichamber is is Portal on Crack. Um, okay. It is one of the most bizarre, mind-boggling puzzle games um, that, again, has created a culture of speedrunners and people trying to kind of dig deeper, but at its core, it's just a puzzle game. You're just walking around, and you have different chambers that are all interconnected, and you try to find a rhyme or reason for how they're interconnected, and it's... There is a map, and it is laid out, but it's deals a lot with impossible space and things like that, and just mm -hmm. boggles the mind. Um, I could imagine that, especially on something like the Oculus Rift, would be really disorienting. Um, but I've just played it on PC several times, and uh, always get just really engrossed in it. But it's just literally, you start in a chamber, and you're told to jump or run or whatever, and then the rules kind of change on you. Dad, it's definitely one of those that kind of throws you a curveball every um, time you turn the corner. Uh, it's one that constantly keeps you on your toes. But the more you play it, the more you learn its tricks. And it's definitely one of those that people go back to over and over again. The first time you play it, you're going to be completely confused, though. But I still find it a very engrossing experience. Well, there are a lot of puzzle games um, that uh, people play over and over and become immersed in without really any story at all to them. Yeah. Like the uh, the Frozen Bubbles. Uh, your mom dug that out, and she's playing that again. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just fun to, you know, work the puzzle. Or, of course, the, the, the greatest one of all time, like that, Tetris, um, I don't know how many man hours were spent playing Tetris. Billions and billions, I guess. And uh, oh, there's no story. There's no story at all to it, you know. I was about to say puzzle games are my my biggest my biggest thing. And Tetris was probably the 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 one that that started me on puzzle games. I spent a lot of time playing that game. They totally demand your focus, especially real-time ones like Tetris. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't. Uh, <laughs> you can't. You can't not. <laughs> um, and I think one of the reasons Candy Crush, and, you know, of course, that's a little bit puzzly. Uh, one of the reasons it's so popular is because you don't necessarily have to sit there and focus on it unless you're on a timed level, which, you know, are, are fairly prevalent early on. But but in in later levels you rarely see a top level, so mm -hmm. it's um, one of those things that it's so you, it's good. So to you don't have here. you don't have time pressure. So it's uh, that makes right. it a better time waste makes it a better time waster. Yeah, I'll pull that out because I can kind of look up when I want to and see what's going on on the show, but not necessarily have to focus on either too much. I can I can flip flop between them. Um, and I, I mean, to give an idea of how completely ridiculous things like Candy Crush are, is I'm on level 1300 of the main levels, and there are, I don't know how many hundreds of secondary levels, there's another kind of world that you can go into that I, um, I was working on too, and I'm probably two or three hundred into that, so, um, <laughs> And I mean, I've been playing it for two years. 
Yeah. And and some days that, definitely that more cracks, than others. That cracks me up. I'm on level thirteen hundred. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <How do you laughs> That's right. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. And there, you know, I have friends that are ahead of me. You know, because you you okay. um you connect through Facebook if you want to, and and um and I have friends that are that are way ahead of me. <laughs> so yeah, there are people. There are people in this world even more obsessive than Sarah. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> Fortunately, she knows them all. Yeah, I do like I do like the puzzly games, and I get totally focused in on yeah. on games and see problems and. Those just don't usually immerse me. Like I'll I'll occasionally get into a puzzle game and play it for an hour or two at most. Usually it's more like fifteen minutes. Um, there's there's been times where I've got an app that as long as I can see how many levels there are and I can figure in my head it's manageable. Like Candy Crush the 1300 levels that's just ridiculous to me I just don't have that much patience um but like if I download an app and I like the puzzle game and it's got like 200 levels on it there's a good chance I'm gonna play that through to completion because each level usually takes you like 15-20 seconds um but I am all about the short gaming experience I'm all about sitting down starting a game and playing through it in in a single setting um, which is, again, why I, I'm so drawn to indie games, because a lot of the indie games are very limited by budget, and so they have to make shorter gaming experiences. Um, whereas, I think for a lot of people, RPG video games would be one of the most uh, immersive genres out there, um, because it has that character-building aspect, it has that idea of kind of choosing your own story um, or and, and getting fully engrossed in the story that's presented in, f in front of you but it's just too long for me I can't I can't I can't stay that focused in on a single game that long I have gamers ADD yeah I don't, I don't have that issue and uh, I've played several RPGs beginning to end and uh, I get really sucked into them whenever I'm playing them uh, that said, I've played many RPGs beginning to about three quarters of the way through. So. When we were first married, Devin used to play a lot of a lot of RPGs, and then he switched over to, to MMO RPGs, and mm. and still plays and still plays them some. Um, uh, his latest has been he's he's gone back to. I think Terra is the last one he was playing. He played it for a while and then kind of left it for some others and then ended up back at Terra in the last six months or so. And doesn't play often, but occasionally he'll be on the computer playing that. Um, Liz has been playing Skyrim because Devin got it for me for Christmas, thinking that, you know, it's one that Megan had suggested to Devin and I had shown some interest in it and I played it for about an hour, and I don't know. I I just don't do well with controls, and I don't <laughs> I don't play enough games on the console to be mm -hmm. comfortable with them. And that game is really 
I'm a twitchy or something, or I don't have the controller set up to the right speed or whatever, because I just felt like I barely moved it, and I was, like, looking at the ceiling instead of just a little bit higher, and it was irritating me. But Liz, who is really good with console gaming, <laughs> has been playing the heck out of it. Yeah, and I find that with a lot of those RPGs, sometimes it's just as much fun, you know, being, you know, doing your own thing and trying to treat it like a, a, a movie or a TV show in the background while someone else plays it. Yeah, I, I really thought that I was going to enjoy it. It's one, I mean, you know, obviously it's been out for forever, and mm-hmm. and it's just one that we've never, we've never picked up. Um, and in fact, before we even had the Xbox 360, I remember Megan telling Devin that if he got Skyrim and an Xbox 360, he'd pretty much be set for gaming for a while. And um, and of course, this was probably when we were still playing WoW pretty regularly. Um, and and it just he's yeah. <laughs> it just never got bought. <laughs> yeah. And finally, you know, it's been on my Amazon wish list for like two years now. And um, he bought it for me for Christmas, and, and I'll give it another try, but it's I don't a, know. I It's a lot of game. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely one of those where I know people that when that came out, that was their life for like six months. Um, I mean, that's all they played. And yeah. that's the, that's the kind of demanding nature of some of those really long games and I think that's part of the reason why I'm I'm kind of hesitant. I like a big variety of gaming experiences myself. Yeah. I mean, I played WoW for 5 years something like that and I I mean, I had multiple top-level characters and all of that, but I don't think I played it the same way that most people <laughs> play it. <laughs> so, yeah. I just I mean, I wasn't I I didn't do raids at all the only Mm -hmm. time i ever did um dungeons was with we had a group that was it was devin myself devin's best friend from high school and his wife or one of devin's best friends and devin's sister and you know we all just would get together you know a couple of times a month and, and go through a dungeon as we leveled up we had certain characters that we only played when we were doing these encounters and stuff and that was a lot of fun, just because I think mainly because we were just, you know, all hanging out on on headsets and, and playing together. Other than that, I like to farm and do achievement stuff and mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And I think that goes back to the whole the whole puzzly thing. I, you know, I found out. Uh, and, of course, I think that all changed with the, the, um, the Cataclysm expansion. But I found out that you could go along the beach in uh, Stranglethorn, I think was the name of it. And you could fish and get mithril at a pretty low level, as long as it was seven o'clock in the morning. If it was later, then you were just going to get killed by all of the. Uh, I played horde, so all of the alliance characters, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you could get there pretty easily if you were like level twenty, fifteen or twenty. And I was going out and fishing mithril bars and selling them in the auction house for a lot more money than I could get looting anything else at my level. And that was yeah. <laughs> that was my puzzly thing was that and achievements and, and and stuff like that. I liked to do the farming and the dailies and and the stuff that everybody else hated doing. But that was that was my enjoyment of the game. That and, and running running instances with with our little group. 
I loved everything about uh, WoW whenever I started playing it. And it's been a long time since I've played it, and I've played it to death. And uh, But I do remember uh, how much that game sucked you in whenever you first started playing it. Because I'm pretty sure for the first week that we had that game, my wife and I did not sleep in the same bed. It was a situation where she would play until she was exhausted at two or three in the morning and climb into bed. And whenever she climbed into bed, it would wake me up and I would get up out of bed and go sit down at that computer and play that game. Cause at the time we only had one computer, so we were taking turns and, uh, that game was incredibly addictive. Uh, Devin played it for a while before he talked me into playing and it was his life. Uh, you know, he talked about mm-hmm. it. Um, if you were on the phone with Devin, <laughs> it was most likely that he was talking to you about WoW. Um, yeah. Whether or not you had any interest in WoW. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, I, um, I it, it took him a lot of convincing. And I, you know, I played and I probably played more than, than a lot of people who played WoW. But I definitely didn't play as much as some people that played WoW. Um, you know, and I have... And and I think part of the reasons why I never really wanted to do raids or any of that stuff is I have that kind of short. I have a period where I've been in a game too long, and that's usually, even with those kinds of games, less than two hours. And and oftentimes even shorter than that. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm ready to go do something different. Um, I just... And, I, you know, I'm like that in, with a lot of things. Board games are another thing. There are games that just go too long for me. And, and so, like, when you go and do some dailies or do some farming, you just quit when you're ready to quit. Okay. Well, uh, I kind of feel like I just have some games that I might want to rattle off. And I don't know if any, either of you or any of you, I don't know if Dad has really any... Um, but uh, just some games that you might want to look into if you're looking for kind of a different experience. But some of them I've mentioned before and some of them I haven't. But the, the list I have is uh, Papers, Please, um, Until Dawn, any of the Silent Hill games, Proteus, which is another really short game. Like you can play it in like 15 minutes, I'm pretty sure. Amnesia, which was mentioned. Antichamber, which was mentioned. Thomas Was Alone, which is mentioned. Um, the Walking Dead, Telltale Games, and any of the other Telltale Games kind of go back to those old point-and-click games. Um, Gone Home, which doesn't even really play like a game. All you do is walk around and hear narration. Uh, but it, it's, again, very atmospheric. Five Nights at Freddy's. If you hadn't heard of that game, you really don't pay attention to video games lately. Um, but Five Nights at Freddy is nothing but immersion and atmosphere, and that's the only thing that sells that game. And then To the Moon, which may be probably one of my most recommended games on this list, but it's another really focused story game about a, uh, a set of kind of like mind travelers that go into the mind of this guy on his deathbed um, and go through different stages in his life and experience that with him. Um, and it's just, uh, just a very sweet, touching story-based game that's kind of set in like 16-bit graphics again not doesn't take much to get you immersed uh, but I don't know if either of y'all have something to add to that list or if dad's got something in his back pocket 
Well, as you know, I don't play video games, but uh, I'm, I'm interested in trying some of those on that list. Uh, the atmospheric immersion ones, you know, sound interesting to me, or walking around while there's a narrative going uh-huh. on. It's a little bit more like literature than gaming. So I'm curious about what that's like. Yeah, and there's been, there's some controversy about that because people like complain about that's more of just a, an interactive experience or something like that. And it's not really a video game and what qualifies as a video game and what doesn't. But my ultimate thought is if, if I'm getting enjoyment and it's getting an emotional response and I feel like that's what I look for more than anything. It's just an emotional punch to the face is what I really love in video games. When I get those, um, I, I'm excited. And uh, I feel like... If it's interactive, if it's interactive, it's a game, and if you're just watching it, it's a show. <laughs> That's generally you know? the, the easiest definer right there, isn't it? But yeah, even in the most basic ones, you still have control over, you know, how quickly the story unfolds and... and and what you what you take out of it as far as you know what direction you drive your character because sometimes you can drive your character in a way that you'll miss parts of the story um mm-hmm. you can go back and revisit it and and get those later so all i'm going to say is that at the beginning of this episode i started up my steam it's been a while since i started up steam mm-hmm. i wanted to make sure there weren't any games that i was forgetting about and it spent all the evening downloading updates and installing updates. Mm-hmm. And I finally got in, and I saw that I had a new message, and I opened it up. And it's 75% off Goat Simulator. So I'm about to be immersed. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, well, what I'm like not being <laughs> Oh, well, I, I have to say that immersion games sound more interesting to me than pouring games or sprinkling games. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say I, I didn't really have anything to add to the list because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I talked about Tetris and WoW. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm Two biggest games. Um, I have not stream at all. <laughs> But I'll tell you right there, that's a that's a that's a good list um, to point your husband towards because I know he's been on my case for a while about giving him some game recommendations. So there's some of my top game recommendations for just kind of really different type of gaming experiences that I'm sure he's he he probably won't like some of them. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't even like all of them. I don't really like Five Nights at Freddy's, but it is. No. He, he has her Five Nights at Freddy's. Such, that's, that's what it does. It's such a perfect example of just an immersive game, and that's the only reason. Because the game mechanics itself is you look at a screen and you close a door. Um, but gosh, it keeps people on their toes constantly. Um, yeah, and I don't even think he's ever played it. We've just watched lots of YouTube videos about it. Yeah. Because, oh, it was everywhere on YouTube. And from what I, I mean, I've played it a little bit, and I just, I didn't care for it much. Um, 
but from what I understand from other people's reviews and from playing it myself is that it's really a game that plays off of stress more than anything and stresses you out and I, I tend to want to play a game to you know yeah that's not a game for me it is just a chill game or or get some kind of response from me that isn't stress because I have stress in the rest of my life because that's what life is but then again I can play games like amnesia and just eat it up and play it for longer than 15 minutes at a time because I'm not a wimp like here um so do you think Amnesia, that, that game would be something Devin would be interested in, knowing Devin? Or? Um, I think he should try it. I think it's okay. one of the best examples of like a really immersive, kind of silly story, but still, um, I mean, it's got the atmosphere. Really, the, the, oh. the atmosphere of that game is its selling point. I'll definitely point him to the links. I mean, I know he'll listen to this episode at some point, but, but you know, I'm sure all of this will be in the links for him to go and, and decide from that's your descriptions. Why, that's why I made a list. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, video games. I uh, This was a hard topic for me to even kind of narrow down, and I still feel like there's a lot that I would want to touch on for just immersion itself, and that's just a small factor of, you know, video games as a, as a medium as a whole um so it's never gonna be anything i ever feel like i give justice to but we we decided we needed to do something on video games because it's something we all enjoy some of us more than others but i don't know i mean video game immersion is is one of those things that like we said, can happen on so many little levels, like from hack to until dawn, you've got just extreme cases of really simple games and really complicated games. You know, Skyrim is this 200 hour epic game that's immersive, and then there's games that I mentioned that were 15 minutes that I feel like were just as immersive for me, so. Oh. I like video games, they're cool. That's what I'm basically saying right now. You play them occasionally. Play a lot of, play a lot of Candy a lot Crush. Of I do. <laughs> the, uh, the sad truth no, is, the sad truth is, there's probably plenty of times where you play more video games than me, as far as just a number of, of minutes. Yeah. The nice thing about things like Candy Crush too, though, is you run out of lives, so you have to quit. Yeah. Occasionally, so you, you have to stop. They make you, <laughs> but people send you lives too, so it just depends on, on if, if your friends like you enough that day to have sent you lives. That's why you're, you're friends with the crazy people who, uh... <laughs> who are still playing. Yeah. You know, it's like me and 10 other people still playing this game. <laughs> Alright, we done? We done with video games? We'll come back to video at games at some point. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have something else to talk about. I like video games. Alright, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back with our pick for the week. Thanks for enjoying the Related to Geeks podcast. Download podcast MP3s at our website, relatedtogeeks.com, or listen on our YouTube channel or our Tumblr. Check out our show notes for links and credits. All right. 
right, it's picks of the week time, and we're going to start with Dad. Dad, what's your pick of the week? Tiny Coil Linux. Um, I now have two uh, Linux distributions that can play videos on a 512 meg machine. So if you got an old XP box that only has a half a gig of RAM, and uh, um, it can be like a 1.6 Pentium or Pentium or uh, whatever kind of, it can't be really weak, but it doesn't have to be a real powerful processor either. Um, it doesn't have to be a dual core or anything like that. You can uh, download and play video with Tiny Core Linux, installing the um, Firefox version that comes with it, which is the extended release version, not the latest and greatest, but the long-term support version. Um, uh, it would actually stream YouTube videos with 512 mega RAM, um, but they weren't as smooth as if you downloaded them and then played them with VLC. So, um, I talked about Porteous last time, and both Porteous and TinyCore will work on 512. And I've actually downloaded and played um, videos with TinyCore on a 256 meg machine, but uh, I haven't got a reliable way yet of downloading the um, lower quality videos. Uh, YouTube, uh, download YouTube-DL is a terminal program and it's a great way to download YouTube videos, but its default is to download the highest quality. And, uh, um, so, you know, um, with, uh, 256 megabytes of RAM, you're not going to be playing no HD. It just ain't yeah. happening. So you got to get the 360p or the 480p versions as MP4s, download them, and then play them in VLC. And uh, and they play great. The audio stays in sync. The, it's smooth video, you know, full screen. Just a lot better than I thought when I started exploring. I've looked at this with different distributions, but I worked you know, mostly with Debian-based distributions like Ubuntu and all that. And really, um, there are Debian-based distributions that will run in 5.12, but none that will really handle video in 5.12. And most of them, really, I don't, I don't really recommend Debian with less than a gig. You know, and I keep looking for a Debian uh, distribution that's that's as light as these uh, Slackware and TinyCore is its own thing. It's it's entirely off on its own. Um, the other thing about TinyCore that's amazing is that you can install TinyCore from like a 15 megabyte download and the TinyCore Plus, which is what gives you a bootable CD and installed hard drive and Firefox and all that, you know, is like a... Uh, 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 70 megabytes you know the whole ISO 
So you're downloading practically nothing. I mean, it's designed really to be run off of USB keys. Both both Porteous and TinyCore are more at home running them off a USB key, and you set up a directory on your USB key, and it saves your stuff to that directory, and then when you put it in another machine and load it up, it loads your stuff off that USB key, and you get your configuration and your softwares and all that. Um, I have, though, installed both of them on hard drives, and I, I just like running computers from hard drives, you know, because that's the way I'm used to doing it. Um, so, uh, pretty amazing uh, stuff. They both are quite unusual in the way they deal with persistence and use of RAM, and I think that's what... Uh, so, it's not like a Debian-based distribution where you just install a software and there it is on your hard drive and it's in the path. It's... Uh, there's a there's another layer there that goes on. I can't say I fully understand it, but they, it's like running off of RAM disks or running. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to say it. They use hard drives, but they're different. Mm-hmm. They're different than Debian, and very lightweight. Um, I I can get Porteous to run on a 256 machine, but not really well. But TinyCore runs great on the 256 machine. And even plays videos. As long as the video you're downloading is not HD, you know. Um, yeah. And there's a way to control that, um, uh, but it takes you have to uh, have FM MPEG because YouTube download will download whatever you specify, but you have to have FM MPEG because it uses that to to uh, to make it your size kind of you know, and. Uh, and although it's supported in TinyCore, I haven't got it to work on this box I'm using. So maybe I need to play with another box or something before I give up on that. But um, still very interesting. Also, Porteous and TinyCore are both similar in that they are designed to be a platform for customized installs. So with both of them, you can make a customized install, for instance, that's designed to work on a low RAM machine, and then make an ISO of that. And someone boots from that ISO and installs it, and it's got all your configuration on it. So that's interesting about both of them, too, is that you can set up your software and your um, uh, window manager um it sounds kind of funny, but Joe's window manager is the really low RAM window manager. Joe's window manager will run in, uh, takes up about three megabytes of RAM. And all the other window managers take up 10 to 12, even the lightweight ones, you know, take 10 to 12 megs of RAM. And, and Joe's window manager is nice, very slick and responsive too. It's used in Puppy Linux, which is another low resource Linux. Yeah. One of one of the things that I always uh comment about you is where most of the guys that I know who are building computers are trying to build the most high end computer they can. You always seem to be trying to build the most low end. <laughs> well, I try to get uh, it's just a, a silly hobby cuz really uh, I don't recommend that anyone actually use 
a 256 Mac computer. In fact, if yeah. anyone was going to be wanting to get some kind of a computer, 512 were really one gig. I mean, Raspberry Pis for 35 bucks you get with a gig of RAM. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, and if you go and you buy a computer, um, a used computer like a business class computer like Vivian uses, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, 50 bucks. And it's got four gigs of RAM and it's, you know, got a dual core processor and, you know, 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but there are people who have computers and there are kids that don't have 50 bucks and et cetera. You know what I'm saying? And nowadays, if someone is interested in computers and wants to learn about them, they're not going to spend all their time watching YouTube videos. But if they can't watch YouTube videos, they'll feel like they got nothing but a piece of crap. Yeah. You know, it's nowadays, it's an important part of the computing experience to being able to download the tutorials or the vlogs or whatever it is that you're interested in. But even if you're like um, wanting to do command line terminal stuff and learn that kind of stuff, the best way to learn that is like on YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. You know, so whatever you're interested in, I feel like you have to be able to download and play a video or the computer's not really going to make anybody happy for doing anything, you know. And so that's why I kind of have that. And besides, it's hard, you know. It's hard to play a video and and get on the Internet and play a video and all that when you don't have much RAM. And so it's challenging. So I'm a little bit, uh, I know just enough about computers to be dangerous is basically where I'm at. Um but I'm just curious about like what the pros and cons would be about installing one of these really lightweight OS's on a more powerful computer. The pros are it will scream. Mm -hmm. um, the cons are is that uh, it won't scream a lot better than like Zubuntu, um, which is pretty lightweight. Yeah. Um, and, and runs fine with one gig of RAM and really runs great with four gig of RAM. Um, but uh, you, you'll you end up spending a lot of time scratching your head and getting things to work that in Zubuntu will just work. Yeah. So that's the difference. Your mainstream Debian-based distributions with the Software Center or Synaptic Package Manager or the AppKit system, man, it's a lot easier to get everything to work. Easier than Windows. But when you get into these more streamlined or hardcore Arch, Slackware, you know, th those kind of distributions, um, there's, there's, you have to be willing to spend time on the Internet. And it's not like Ubuntu. You know, if you're on Zubuntu or Ubuntu and you search for Linux, you're going to find a lot of solutions, you know. Mm -hmm. but, but TinyCore, you got their forum and that's about it. There's not just a whole bunch of people writing blog posts about how to do this in TinyCore and how to do that in TinyCore. You know, the need for them and the market for them is completely different. And TinyCore will run on much lower RAM systems than 256 bag. Yeah. You know, it'll run on systems that don't even support GUIs. And you can do an install that just installs your terminal. And, and you can run like uh, 
some kind of server service or something like that on some old box that's got 64 meg on it, you know, some Windows 98 box. But if you're going to play videos, um, I, I really think 256 is the bottom end um, for downloading and playing videos. And that's very challenging um, to do that with 256. But I have been able to. I just, what, what I, I would like to be able to do is have a post here's your instructions or a vlog or both you know here's your instructions you download this you install these softwares you use youtube-dl with this switch you know and then you can play those videos and even if you don't have a lot of ram that's gonna that's gonna work for you um and i haven't got to there um because of the uh, tickiness of getting these uh different necessary softwares to run whereas youtube uh, dash deal youtube download not like that at all you download it and it runs on every system i've ever used it on fmmpeg a, a little trickier but fmmpeg is a major piece of software what it is is it's a video and audio conversion software and it's used by everything you know blender uses it everything uses it fmmpeg and uh so it's not designed to be low-end or anything like that. It'll run on any box. It'll just be slower on slower boxes. You know, it's not, it doesn't take a lot of RAM to run it or anything. Um, but, of course, if you have a slower machine, it's going to run slower. Um, but uh, uh, it, and it installs on all the major distributions, no problem, because if it didn't, um, there's a whole lot of stuff that would be broke. You know, but uh, it is it is a hurdle to overcome on this low RAM uh, tiny core situation for me right now. That's kind of where I'm at with it, working through that FMMPEG problem. Well, I'm sure we'll get further updates as you work on that problem because this seems to be a, a reoccurring uh, geeking out thing that you've been doing. So, Well, I got these old machines that they get given to me, so... <laughs> Well, you keep taking oh, them. <laughs> what could you? What could you possibly do with something as old as and crappy as this? You know. <laughs> um, also, you can get give lots of good machines with one gigabyte and two gigabytes of RAM that'll run Zubuntu fine. Mm -hmm. You know, or, or you can buy them for ten bucks. You know, or you can get them give to you. You know, and and really, if you're really wanting to you know to compute you know spend the 50 bucks and get a real good computer with 4 gig of ram and a dual core processor and and 50 bucks is nothing but there's there's kids you know that they ain't got 50 bucks and they don't know when they'll ever have 50 bucks you know there's people in the world that 50 bucks is a lot of money to all right um sarah my pick is a addictive mobile game that's what I do. Um, <laughs> it's a fairly new game. I think it's less than a month old. It's called Swing. And basically what you do is you have this little character that's attached to a rope at the end of a cliff. And he has to jump from that cliff, top of that platform, whatever, to the next platform. The thing is, is that there's varying distances between the platforms. There's varying heights. And the platforms are varying widths. 
if um <laughs> and some of them are are seriously just skinny and hard to hit and some of them are super wide so what you do is you back up until you think you have enough rope that when you push your you know touch your screen you'll swing and be able to land on the next platform and every time you land on the next platform you get one point unless you land directly in the center and then you get a bonus point for you know a perfect landing and get two points and i made it to 30 points today so i mean it's it's pretty hard <laughs> um, and, and, and you know the thing is it is definitely real time there is no pausing there is no anything and i can't tell you the mm-hmm. amount of times i've hit play on the game and forgot that i was doing and just went off the edge of the cliff backwards because i was like oh yeah i was gonna play a game <laughs> but um you basically there's achievements um there's achievements for how many landings you make. There's achievements for getting new characters, which you get by collecting gems along the way. That's like this currency, and the that's the only thing you can use it for. I think is by is is getting new characters, and the characters are cute. Um, I have two favorites. There's a pig and a mummy so far that I've unlocked that I think are absolutely adorable, <laughs> and I think that's part of the appeal is that you get they they just randomly, whenever you buy a character, you get some new ridiculous little I don't know I mean it's a little square thing is what it is but it's ridiculously cute um and I think it those are your favorites because they don't yet have Chewbacca and R2-D2 oh stop you swing on a rope like Tarzan yeah. Or just basically, you yeah. just have to back up until you think you have enough rope that you're going to make it to the next platform without overshooting it and I feel like the, I feel like R2D2 would be awful at that. <laughs> it probably would be. Um, um, the um, the lower the platform is, the longer the rope needs to be because when you come back, if it's if you're you know if it were higher, you would hit it, but you know you're gonna swing out and and come above it when you come back if you if you don't give yourself enough rope. So there's that. That's the puzzly aspect. Just. It's just trying to figure out what you're going to need in order to land, and, and hopefully land perfectly so you get that extra point. Um, but yeah, most of most of my games last approximately ten seconds, maybe a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> but it is highly addictive, and and um, Devin's been playing the heck out of it too. <laughs> so, um, um, and and Liz plays whenever we let her have our phones to play it. So um, she can't she can't get it. It's not Windows. It's only iOS and Android. And, um, so she can't, she doesn't have a, she does not have her own machine that runs the game. So occasionally she's like, mom, <laughs> um, and I have a feeling she would be right there with us if, if she still had an Android and, um, oh, and I should mention it is by, um, the developer's name, I believe is no monkeys, no monkeys. So if you're looking oh, for it, well, I don't know how I'm able to find it. Really. Game with all monkeys in it. <laughs> you know, I have not, I have not seen a monkey character, but it'd be kind of funny if there was one because then it would be like. True. But, but yeah, I, I do know that some of the I did like the the, the little characters and unlock them. I mean, every time you collect a hundred gems, you get a new unlocked character, and I think there's over a hundred of them. So it's a lot of gems. They also made mmm fingers, according to their website. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just so you know, mmm fingers. 
I had absolutely no trouble finding the game. I typed in swing in in Google Play and it was right there came up first thing. So but just in case, because, that, you know, it's a one-word thing, and sometimes that can be hard to search. See, it's not on their list of games. It may not be No Monkeys. No Monkey or No Monkeys or something like that. And it's also Ketchup is one of the other names on it. But I know that the, the No Monkeys <laughs> Facebook page had something about it. So, I don't know. Weird. I'm probably completely wrong because that's what I do. <laughs> that's okay. We're all always completely we'll, wrong. You're we'll fix it in the show time. notes. <laughs> you don't even give me any sort of benefit of the doubt, do you? <laughs> 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 oh, goodness me. <laughs> but yeah, it's a super addictive little game that, you know, I've been enjoying. Mm. So I thought I'd share it. But is it is it a mercer? Well, if you look up from it, you're going to die. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you're really focused in on that game. <laughs> or you're dead. Yeah, it's so funny because you'll land up against the cliff and there'll be like little dust and divot in the cliff for just the, you know, slight second that you land into and then it all fills in. <laughs> but I'm not it's, really it's, convinced that those little sprites are really alive anyway. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. If they were I'd, be a lot sadder. I'd be a lot sadder playing the game if I thought they were really alive. If they were artificial intelligence sprites, then there would be an argument you could make for them actually being alive. I think, therefore I am. I think. I think. So Megan, what's your pick of the week? What's my pick of the week? I'm, I'm well. I'm, I'm looking up swing right now. Um, <laughs> my pick of the week <laughs> is uh, the Minimalist podcast. If you're not familiar with the Minimalist, it's uh, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, and they are kind of one of the the leading forces in this whole minimalist thing that I've gotten into. Um, but they've done some TED Talks and have a blog called TheMinimalists.com. It's, it's all very streamlined. Um, but they recently started a podcast at the kind of the beginning of the year. And uh, it's a weekly podcast. It's usually only about an hour, sometimes even shorter. Sometimes they'll just do like really a quick, you know, here's a, here's a question people have been asking that we felt like we wanted to give a little bit of time. And we're going to talk about it real quick and then we're done. Um, but really kind of a, a, a nice thing that they've added to, to interact with the people who follow them on the blog. Um, and I like it. It's, it's short and simple and, and it hits a lot of points that I like, but both the guys are really funny and, and charismatic and were in positions where they were at jobs that were paying a lot of money and they bought a bunch of crap and surrounded themselves with a bunch of crap and then realized that it was all a bunch of crap and decided one day to pack it all up and get rid of it and I've just kind of been traveling around and you know goofing off since then um with a really focused intent on on talking about how little you actually need to get by um so I I I think they're both really uh good speakers and and uh 
I'm, I'm excited to be listening to their podcast. I was going to say that one of, them, one of them doesn't have internet at his house, which I think is preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> That's too minimalist. Too minimalist. That's too minimalist for me. <laughs> Gone too far. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I've seen one of their TED Talks, and I thought it was pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think if I'm if I'm thinking about the right guys, they did a TED talk where they just had all of these like empty boxes yeah, just surrounding them. them all over the stage. Okay, that's so, them. <laughs> you know that that definitely you know made a statement. I haven't explored their website or any of that, but I did find them entertaining to watch. Well, it was one of those. They had a conversation on one of the earlier podcasts about how they got an offer from Google to put some ads on their website. And uh, they said it was crazy because the amount that they would get would essentially add up to a a six-figure income from just placing a banner ad on their website. Um, And then uh, also just declined because they didn't want ads cluttering up their website. They wanted to keep it very clean, and it was kind of against what they were going about. But in that conversation, they were like, man, you know what? If we could... We just could figure out a way where we were making like eighty thousand dollars a year. We would be so much happier, right? Because um, people really argued against them when they decided to go ag- against putting ads on their website. You know, people always have problems with stuff. They want their they went the route like, oh, well, you could have donated that money and stuff like that. And they were just they're very uh, faithful to their beliefs, and they're like, you know, we could also go and rob a bank and donate that money, but that's not necessarily what we stand for, and there are, there are other ways that we can do good for the world that isn't, you know, commercialism and and materialistic. Uh, so, I don't know. I appreciate them both. I think they're they're pretty smart guys. Maybe they should run ads, but run very minimalist ads. Yeah, just like... Just like a, a white banner that says, buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what they stand for. Or don't <laughs> buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I used to run uh, Google Ads on Delta Boogie, and um, I've taken Delta Boogie to being ad-free. I do uh, run some content that is uh, tag non-commercial, and I used to not have ads on those pages, and I just decided that the whole site would be better off if there just weren't any ads at all. And so there are none. Yeah, I appreciate when I find a site anymore that's ad-free. It's very rare. Yeah, and I will say, going back to my pick of the week, the, the one downfall is it's a little ad-heavy for me. So, you know, finding something without mm-hmm. ads is, especially especially a website. Um, you know, the only, I mean, even, I think about the only sites that you find that are ad-free are shop sites, store sites, because, you know, that's all they are is one big ad. Uh-huh. You weren't kidding about this game being cute. All right, I got to put that phone away. All right, Kier. <laughs> What's your pick, Kier? My pick of the week this week is going to be React.js, which is the uh, JavaScript framework that uh, Facebook is built on top of. I've been doing a lot of research into that lately for work, and it's really cool. It breaks everything down into kind of uh, modular components, and they're designed to be reusable and uh, lightweight and uh, very fast and efficient. And I really have liked digging into it. But more importantly, 
my pick of the week next time is going to be Goat Simulator, <laughs> which I am now downloading. <laughs> and my pick will be Swing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is uh, ReactJS, is that uh, browser-side only, or is that a, also have a, a server component? So uh, the best way that I've found to do ReactJS is basically there is kind of a server component in that you uh, the best way to do it is basically to build it and compile it on a server, but then you just uh, uh, the, the the client downloads it in their browser and it's run entirely client side. So it runs client side, but but it's a compiled JavaScript. Yeah, the uh, big thing about it. The big thing about it is it uses uh, uh, kind of a JavaScript XML markup language uh, called uh -huh. JSX, and uh, rather you can you can write it in pure JavaScript, but it's uh, not very uh, friendly or maintainable. So uh, uh -huh. guys got together and set it up so you can just basically write out your HTML in an XML format, kind of like XHTML, and then. Yeah. Uh, it compiles that into the individual JavaScript commands or, 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 or statements. And uh, uh, the biggest, most interesting thing about it is because your entire page is then built inside JavaScript arrays rather than an HTML, because uh, what it does is it takes those JavaScript arrays and renders your, your web page from your JavaScript. Uh, whenever you change something in the layout, it will just re-render the thing, the one little item that you changed, whereas most DOM manipulation tends to re-render the entire page or the entire section and causes a lot of bog down and slow down. So this is real fast and efficient. And is it, a, is it an open source platform? Yep. I'm going to check it out. Yep, there's a, there's a bit of a, a learning curve to it, but uh, once you get past the learning curve, it's actually really cool, and I love the modular design of the components. So, you know, you build a so, comment. So do you, do, you write, you do you write JavaScript code when you use it, or XML? Uh, the answer is yes. Okay. So, Both. So, the idea is that the component consists of all of the, the XML for display and all of the JavaScript for functionality and it's all built in together. And uh, uh, it's built so that uh, uh, components inherit things from parent, but can't really go back and do anything to their parent components. Uh, so you, uh, you set it up so that you have kind of a, a high-level parent component uh, that is set up with all the functionality and then all of the other pieces are built into that kind of modularly and uh, uh, use function references passed down from the parent to the children and uh, update. That's, that's kind of how they get around the updating the parent object type stuff. You pass down uh, uh, parent properties to the children. It's uh, kind, of, uh, kind of hard to break down uh, at a high level uh, but uh, it's it's pretty nifty. I like the reusability access aspect of it, and uh, I I think uh, I'm gonna have a lot of fun working with it in the future. 
Well, I have a three-step idea. One, learn React.js. Two, write Swing for Windows or PCs. Three, profit. There you go. I like the profit part. There are uh, lots of ads. I probably, <laughs> there are lots of ads. That's what I stand for. I probably won't get any further than the uh, learn um, React.js. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm all done, and I'm going to start playing some Goat Simulator here shortly. Get immersed. <laughs> oh, that game's silly. All right. So, with that being said, we are going to call it quits for the night and play games and probably go to bed, mostly go to bed. Um, and we'll catch you back in a couple of weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Well, I was walking by the river with a tune stuck in my head. Waves laughing, fingers snapping, just like I heard it said. Read the signs between the lines. Jazz music's got the blues You know I'll take it where I'm led Heard it once in a dream Just like the Grateful Dead So fine Sublime Dancing through the mystic nights Like a candle in the light I shout with all my might Can you see me shining bright By design Blue night yeah, I mean, this yeah. sounds really good. I get no hint of roboticism at all. Roboticism. Roboticization. Ro ro roboticize me, Captain. Exterminate. Exterminate. <laughs>